This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com. This is World Cafe. I'm Raina Duris. In the mid-1800s, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a.k.a. the Mormons, journeyed with their wagons from the Midwest to the Salt Lake Valley. Those pioneers settled in and around the area that would eventually become Salt Lake City and Utah County, Utah. About a century later, a group of sisters living there in Orem, Utah, became different kinds of pioneers. The Clingers, Melody, Peggy, Patsy, and Deborah Klinger, didn't wear bonnets or churn butter. The Clingers were one of the very first all-girl rock bands who played their own instruments and got signed to a major label. We were signed with Clive Davis, Columbia. We did national tours. We did from coast to coast national tours. We did national TV. We had international records. Uh, We were the only ones. We were on all the trade magazines. That picture right there was on the front of Variety. So with all this success, why haven't you heard of them? Why don't the Clingers have the name recognition of the men at the time or the women that came after? I met up with Melody Clinger, now Melody Clinger Pack, in Provo, Utah, not far from her home in Orem, to find out. I was the lead guitar, or really just the rhythm guitar of the Clinger sisters, and I was the oldest, and I was kind of the leader of the group. Now, when Melody and her sisters started out, their hometown of Orem and neighboring Provo were much smaller than they are now, and they were more rural. It was so beautiful. It was very orchards, fields, farms. Everybody was farms. You could drive forever and just farms, cows, horses, pigs, chickens, everything, you know. And it was big, beautiful homes, lots of big families. Lincoln Junior High School was where I went to junior high. It was a high school that my mom went to years before. The Klinger family was active in the LDS church. Melody started singing there with her mom when she was a kid, then with her sisters, first Peggy, then Patsy, and then finally, after Deborah joined, they had their first gig outside the church at a farm festival in Orem. And at that point, they weren't just singing church songs anymore. I walk a mile, cry or smile for my mama and daddy. You know, something like that. Or Davy Crockett. Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee. Green estate in the land of the free. Raised in the woods so he knew every tree. Killed him a bar when he was only three. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. Once they were out in the world, the Klinger sisters' career took off quickly. We sang one year, I think it was over 130-some times my mom kept a calendar, and we were driving all the way. My dad drove us all the way to Salt Lake, all over the place. They were so dedicated. Our parents were so dedicated to what we were doing. But mom had to stay home a lot because she had more babies. Lots more babies. While there were four girls in the group, there were nine Klinger kids altogether. So Melody wasn't just singing, she also had a lot of responsibility at home. We were all, my sister Peggy, she was the little mother. She babied the little kids and took care of them. I was the mother where I made sure the housework was done. And we we took care of the house, you know, we just, we were a family, we worked together. 
When Melody was about to start 10th grade, the family decided to move to the showbiz mecca of California, a bit of a switch from the bucolic Utah town where the girls had grown up. It was amazingly huge, absolutely huge and smoggy. Oh my gosh. In the 60s, it was really, really smoggy. I remember walking home from school with our eyes just stinging and you breathe, you try to breathe and it would be so cold, like your lungs were half full of smog. Now at first in California, the Klinger sisters continued what they'd been doing. They were singing vocal harmony. They even performed with the Osmonds, who were also from Utah and also members of the LDS Church. And we both had the same man, we didn't realize until we met him, Val Hicks, that was our teachers of harmony, the barbershop quartet harmony. We did harmony before, but when we met him, he turned it into from three-part to four-part. So we started singing barbershop quartet harmony. We actually did a couple of shows with the Osmonds. They were really sweet, dear friends, good friends. And we didn't know them really, really well, but we knew them in California. We, we ended up actually living in their home when they were on tour, a world tour. But a few years after moving to California, in 1966, the sisters decided to change their sound. I think I was probably 17, 18 years old, probably, yeah, somewhere around there. And what happened is we had been playing all over. We were doing fairs everywhere in California and all over. We did a fair, and there was a rock band, a rock boys band. And I'm telling you, the girls were screaming, yelling, hollering. And we had mentioned it to our dad earlier, before. And uh, he had one look at that, what was going on. He said, okay, that's it. We're going rock. And a few weeks later, we came home from school, or I don't know where I was, I think I'd graduated by then. But we came home and there were instruments everywhere all over the front room, guitar, bass, keyboard, and drums. And we each clung to our own, Patsy, drums, Peggy, keyboard, me, guitar, Deborah, bass. And we just started from there. It was just a mad dash to what we loved. <laughs> They loved playing, but they worried about being taken seriously as a band. We were girls, and girls at that time in the 60s were just girls. You didn't do anything but grow up and have kids and be a mother and wife. So we practiced so hard. Sometimes we would practice like four or five and six hours a day, not all one blank slump, but through the day we would practice and practice and practice. And soon they were writing their own material. So we started implementing those songs in the act. When we would go out, we would sneak in a little song here that I wrote or that Patsy wrote, and it was really good. But the one that we recorded was called Only You, and I wrote that. It was It's a real pretty song. Night is gone Stars are clear Just a breath away We'll be there. 
mid-60s. The amount of new, exciting music around to inspire the Clingers was mind-boggling. We listened to the Beatles. Of course, that's when the, the whole, um, the 65 was when I graduated. So that was when the whole English-British thing happened. Also, it was Barbara Streisand. We loved her. We loved the Dave Clark Five, a lot of them. Petula Clark, you know, Dusty Springfield. We loved her. One Dusty Springfield song played an important part in their show during the seven-week run they did at the Riviera Hotel in Las Vegas. In those shows, the Clingers played with the audience's expectations of what a girl group would do. We walked out, and we had gowns on, and we sang a couple of songs that opened the show, Please Release Me, Son of a Preacher Man. Who could ever reach me was the son of a preacher man. And then we would bow, and of course the audience loved this, and then we had a little clip in the back of our gowns, and we could flip that clip, the gowns would fall off to the floor, and we had little teeny-weeny mini-skirts, mini-dresses on, with tons of gold chains. The Clingers also toured as openers for the Righteous Brothers. We toured with them for, I think it was six weeks to two months. It was a it was a college tour, all down in uh, Florida and then up in the northern parts of New York and stuff. It was so much fun! Oh my gosh, we it was just a blast. We were singing in I think Mommy Ohio or some Mommy Ohio someplace like that, and there was a a boys' penitentiary there, and we sang for them. And the one song we sang was "Hello Dolly," and at the end of it, it goes, "Dolly'll never go away. No, 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 she'll always stay." Please, 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 please let us stay. Wow, 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 fellas. Look at the old girl now, fellas. Dolly'll never go away. Dolly'll never go away. Dolly'll never. They went nuts. Here's these four girls saying this to them, and they were freaking out. The Clingers were very pretty. With their long hair and great fashion sense, men noticed them, even when they weren't on stage, including Beach Boy co-founder Dennis Wilson. I was coming home from a guitar lesson, and I think it was on Riverside Drive in California, but I went, woo, woo! He was driving in Rolls Royce with the guy who was driving him. He was in the back, and they went, stopped, turned around, and came back, and they picked me up. <laughs> we had a long talk, and we, the three of us talked for a while, and then they took me home, but yeah, it was just really fun. I did, you know, someone that famous, you can't really say I dated Dennis Wilson, because he probably had three or four hundred other girlfriends in there, but he did, he came around a lot, came to our house a lot, and listened to us play, and he played, would play on the piano, stuff that he wrote. It was really, really nice. It was an exciting time to be in California, to be part of this scene, to be playing rock music. But it wasn't all sunshine for four young girls in L.A. Not every guy was nice. Melody's dad had to step in a few times to protect them from the seedier side of the business. This one time our agents, our managers, they said to my dad, you know, Ski, if Tommy or Dick's mothers want to have one of your daughters go in the room with them, you know, you better, my dad just about blew a gasket. That was the end of those two guys. The end. Melody, for the most part, had stuck by the values of her Mormon upbringing. 
But eventually she did what most teens do and found a way to forge a separate identity. I was always the, the consummate one that did what I was told. But all of a sudden, when I got about 19, my mom said I grew horns. And I was an angel before, but I became a little devil. And I started rebelling. I would, you know, I smoked pot. Oh, my gosh. And that kind of like was a no-no. And I didn't tell them. They, we didn't, they didn't know it all. But it was just one of those things where, I don't know, you had to try something. And I was so good and so righteous and everything all the time. But... I was falling in love with a long-haired hippie musician and working in the business. Melody was about 21 when she got married. She moved to Colorado, and it was the end of an era for the Clingers, with Melody no longer able to work so steadily with her sisters. I think it was—I really didn't realize it. I knew I wanted to have freedom. I wanted to be able to— be my own and go out and be with people, other people. But I don't think it ever crossed my mind that I would never be able to sing with the group again. So when we, when I moved to Colorado, I watched the kids on, um, I think it was um, Dean Martin, and I bawled my eyes out. was lonely. But within a few years, her sister Peggy also moved to Colorado. Peggy had started a band called Gerard, and the sisters were going out, and they were partying together. We were doing a lot of drugs. It was the, the era of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? At that point, we were in Colorado, and Colorado, Boulder especially, was like a hub of all drugs in and out of the area. It was just a huge, huge hub. And so, um, I don't know, I guess we had gotten involved a little bit too much, and she died. We had been out partying that night at a club that had just opened. I went back to the house with her, to her house, and I think I left about 3 o'clock, but she died about 3.30. The next morning, her friends broke into her house because she didn't answer the door, so they broke in. And they found her, and they called me immediately. And on the phone, the friends mixed up the two sisters' names, which added to the shock of the moment. This is what they said. Peggy, Melody's dead. And in my brain, I'm going, what in the world? And I'm like, no, 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 no. So I just jammed in my car. She only lived about five blocks away from me. And I I went in there, and I... Tried to, I'm like, no, she, she'll wake up for me. She's just asleep. And I went in, and she was dead. She was cold to the touch. And I just hugged her, and there's not much I could do. After Peggy died, Melody only made music occasionally. I did a few sessions with some kids there in Boulder, a few background vocals here and there, you know. And I used to go up to the Caribou Ranch with some kids and just hang out and play around a little bit. But... I ended up owning a hair salon, and it was a really, really cute salon. It was the first 
unisex in Boulder, the first place that had men and women in one place together. There she was, not in a band anymore, but still breaking down gender barriers. Now, Melody is a grandmother in her 70s. She lives in Utah again. It's where a lot of her family is, and she's enjoying passing her love of music on to the next generation. They loved taking my, can we play your guitar, Grandma? My grandkids are pretty much older now, but they still remember Granny and the guitars. Other people remember, too. A little while ago, Melody and the other two surviving members of the Clingers, her sisters Deborah and Patsy, released an album and compilation CD called Soft Bodies Hard Rock. It was crowdfunded by fans and folks discovering the band for the first time who wanted to get their music out there. It was laid down to me from Patsy. She's like, we're going to do a Kickstarter. And I'm like, what's a Kickstarter? Because I had no idea. And it was just a really neat experience. I liked it a lot. Kickstarting was, was a blessed thing for us. It was great. And you know what? If people find out and see us, I mean, like I, I have had visions before. I'm like going, they'll ignite us into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We'll be. <laughs> no, 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 I'm only teasing. Well, she's only sort of teasing. I love Pete Floyd. I love Zeppelin. I love, 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 love those guys. But the girls' groups, like the Bengals, the Go-Go's, I loved them, I liked them, the, but I, I always had a little bit of a, oh gosh, a snooty attitude. I don't know why. I think that this is the first time I've ever told anybody. I was just like, oh gosh, how could they be doing that? They shouldn't be doing that. We should have done that, you know? But it was the whole timing thing. Sometimes the first ones to do something the pioneers, don't get to take advantage of everything they made possible. Trailblazers are called trailblazers for a reason, and the Clingers helped to open up the frontier of rock and roll music for the girl bands who came after them. You just heard Mean It by The Clingers. You can find that on their recent compilation album, Soft Bodies, Hard Rock. Thank you again to Melody Klinger for sharing her story and to World Cafe senior producer Kimberly Junod for her work on that session. I'm Raina Duras, back in a moment with more World Cafe. At this year's Oscars, Oppenheimer took home the award for Best Picture, Emma Stone and Robert Downey Jr. also picked up wins, and Ryan Gosling brought the Kennergy. For a recap of all the highlights, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell and show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR.